Welcome to Bite Podcast, where we recap all the best bits from this week's show. Yes, and all week we have been exploring the world of food from the USA with Kenny McLaughlin to Mexico with Jackson Bashford from Cool Chili. Yes, we also went to India with Dan Toombs, aka The Curry Guy, and Thailand as well with Rachel Redlaw. You guys got involved as well with our little debates on whether you should be eating local food when going abroad like Kaylee's. <laughs> and my favourite part was trying world food snacks with our food correspondent, Bethany Glover. This is Bite. To chat all things American food with us now, I'm very excited to welcome Kenny to the show. Kenny, can you first tell me, where did your love for fast food come from? Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, my love for fast food, oh, it's been a long, a lifelong love affair with fast food. Um, the, best, the best history I can give you of what happened to me is I was diagnosed when I was younger with what's known as uh, social anxiety disorder. And that's something that sort of put some limitations on my day-to-day life. And as I had already developed a big love for fast food and stuff, I almost sort of lost touch with being able to actually just go to restaurants and go to places because I was really struggling socially with things like that. So um, that's really where I started to develop the sort of habit of uh, recreating these things at home and trying to sort of come up with my own dishes which could best replicate these fast foods that I was really missing and that I did enjoy so much. So do you remember what the first sort of thing you had a go at trying to make was? Because I don't imagine it would be easy just to start off trying to recreate stuff like that. I do remember the very first thing that I tried to make was, um, it was actually a basic chicken sandwich from um, Greg's The Baker's, which they've been in the news an awful lot lately, you may have noticed from the vegan sausage roll that they launched. Um, it was, so it was a chicken sandwich from there, and that actually was one thing I used to, when I was working when I was younger, that was basically what I had for my lunch, and stopping working, being at home, that was the first thing that I missed, and to be honest, everything was focused around recreating that one sandwich at that point, I had no ambitions to, to recreate you know, a million different dishes, but it was really, once I'd matched, once I'd matched that Greg sandwich, once I'd managed to master it and get it exactly the way I remembered it, it sort of just developed into a bit of a hobby that, you know, other people started to ask, well, could you recreate something that I like that I used to buy quite often? And so it just sort of grew arms and legs from there. Really, really good habit to have. Like, I would love to learn how to cook this stuff at home. And I actually have the book right in front of me. Now, the question is, a lot of takeout foods are getting very cheaper and cheaper. Like, you can buy a burger and chips for, what, one ninety nine. if that. Is it expensive yeah. to cook it at home? Um, it's, I suppose it's as expensive as you can afford to make it. I, I think that's one of the great advantages of cooking for yourself at home, that you have a lot more control over the quality of the ingredients that you use. And, you know, as you say, a lot of fast food places, whilst I'm a big fan of fast food, um, it's undeniable that a lot of places are some, somewhat dodgy in some of the ingredients that they use quality-wise. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I like doing it myself as well nowadays because I'm able to you can make those decisions if you choose to use higher welfare meats and you know more freshly sourced local sourced ingredients and things like that so you started out with with Greg's when did you make the transition to go over to sort of American fast food because they are basically the biggest and the best at it right they are yeah um, they've definitely set the standard Um, it it was pretty quickly afterwards I think um, the obsession with recreating that sandwich I think it became sort of so all-encompassing for a few weeks and months as I kept recreating and testing it. And I, feel, I think maybe once I'd actually matched it, I sort of found myself at a bit of a loss in the days following that. I, I hadn't really dawned on me how much of a focus it had become. And so really quite quickly after that, I think I started to turn my attention to, 
to the idea that maybe actually I could have a good go at recreating some of the more famous, like, as you say, the American fast foods and none more famous than like say, the Big Mac or the Big Mac sauce. And how do you how do you combat the sort of the health the health issues with that? Because do you do you try and make them healthier than the original, or do you try and really equal them to the the original food? Um, I think initially my main focus when I'm when I'm recreating a dish because um, it's usually always based, especially with the street food dishes and the American diner dishes more lately, they're based on actual experiences I've had. So usually the dish I'm recreating is I have a memory in my mind of sitting eating that dish somewhere and really enjoying it and. I'll be attempting to recreate exactly what I tasted that day. So health doesn't come into it in the first instance, but um, I do. I am health conscious. I would say, you know, I do try to think about what I eat, and um, I sort of vary it in the sense that there are some foods, for example, anything deep fried is. There's really no way to get around the certain unhealthy aspects of that. Things like pakoras and fried chicken, and if you're going to try and make that, there's really not many ways to make things like that healthier without taken away from the authenticity of the dish but um, certainly where possible I, I, I try and I do try and improve on the health aspects of certain things and there's a lot, an awful lot of colourings used, artificial colourings used in some fast food industries and uh, I think you know avoiding things like that which are really unnecessary when it comes to flavour um, things like that can be avoided easily and as I say I do try, it's, it's always that balance of you know as long as four out of five dishes that I'm cooking are basically healthy then then that Saturday night deep fried chicken wings is acceptable and with you specializing in American food why are American portion sizes so much bigger than ours here in the UK that's a very good question and I mean it's actually quite baffling um, in the the industry sense because having been in America uh, several times researching the, the diner book you can actually see that a lot of people take so many leftovers home with them that there's no need to go out to eat again for maybe the next two days because you've got so much food in the fridge that you took home with you. So I don't know if it's became a thing where at some point it's been established that certain dishes are are so big, portion sizes are so big, and maybe now I suppose everyone sort of feels their hands are tied, that they, they can't be the only place to offer much smaller portions maybe because um, the competition would look better in that sense. But... I mean, to be honest, it's one that I, I still struggle to get my head around, and I don't know if you've ever watched um, Gordon Ramsay's uh, Kitchen Nightmare programmes in, in the US are always focused on a lot of that, but they, they've spent so much money, and actual restaurants waste a lot of money in, in the food that they overfill with people. Yeah, well, thank you very much for coming on. The American Diner Secret, How to Cook America's Favourite Food at Home. It looks amazing. There's a a great menu on the back of all of the different stuff that's in there. Cinnamon rolls and chocolate pudding and pancakes and stuff. Kaylee's going to love this. It sounds so yummy. Thank you so much, Kenny McGurvin. Sorry, I can't get my words out now. Very happy to welcome Jackson Bashford from Cool Chili to the studio. You're right, mate. Hi, uh, yes, I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming in and bringing so much amazing food that we've yeah. just been. Uh, we spent the last song just unloading into the studio. <laughs> Look how big the smile is on my face. I'm so excited. <laughs> She's never happier. So tell us a little bit about Cool Chili first off. Well, Cool Chili is a Mexican ingredient retailer and wholesaler. Um, our main business is corn tortillas, so we provide to most of the restaurants that you eat at. Um, I've probably touched your food at some point or another if you've eaten there. Um, and then, yeah, so we import a lot of stuff from Mexico, um, make it together in our factory, and then uh, ship it out to final customers and to restaurants as well. Oh, very nice. So what's the, is it 
just a, a mad variety of stuff is there like a signature thing that these people ask for or do you send them like a package of all of the stuff yeah so it, it, it's just whatever people need really uh, it's it'll be cooking ingredients for home so say for example you want to make uh, a carne con chili you might need certain types of chilies and um, we'll have those chilies we'll have those herbs and yeah like i said the tortillas are mainly what people are after oh and it's tortillas the most popular yeah that's Ooh. our biggest section of why do you think that yeah why do you think that is like why what it's makes the it so staple special? of mexican food really so um corn has a huge sort of identity in mexican culture so far too as they used to pray to the god of corn really yeah it was seen as like a holy food back uh, a long time ago so um is that because of just how sort of accessible it was and how many people it was feeding exactly yeah Wow. And how widely used? Uh, yeah, how widely it was used. So, I'm gonna have um, to pray to my microwave then. <laughs> <laughs> and what makes Mexican food so popular? So popular. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Do you like Mexican food? Oh yes, I love a taco. Yeah, I think it is just real comfort food. Um, rice and corn is always great with everything, and the flavors are so strong um, that they just complement each other really well. I don't, I don't eat it very much, uh, mainly because it, some of it's, it's, it's not all spicy, is it? It's not, it's all, not spice. all spicy. It shouldn't be. Um, the reason we're called cool chili is because we're not about just blowing your face off, which mm. a lot of people do like. But it's about the flavors that come with the chilies as well. So like even the habanero, which is our spiciest, has a lot of fruity undertones that we try and maximize and get out there most you know so can you take us through a couple of the things you've brought in uh, we've got people yeah. walking in and out of the studio with stuff that we've been putting in the <laughs> heating up yeah 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 so um, I mean these will be uh, your let me see if they're too hot at the moment they should be okay yeah so these are your tortillas um, which we make and then we've got one in a blue corn and one in a white corn there I've are, never seen a blue one. Yeah, before. there's three types of naturally forming corn. So one is blue, one is red, and one is the one that we're used to. Oh. Um, so these get slaked with lime um, and then ground down into a powder, and we mix them with water and salt, and um, then they become formed into this, which you have, I guess. The only way the English are used to anything like this is maybe like Northerners with bread and butter yeah. and you have it with everything, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. on the side or you make a sandwich out of it. Yeah. This is kind of it similar thing right? and yeah. it's cheap. Um, so it's just been a real staple for all of their well, food. Well, you've, so. you've opened that bag and that just smells amazing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean it's, it's quite hard to tell because usually you have a filling and everything to go in with it. Yeah. But I guess if you're used to the old El Paso flour wheat tortillas this might be interesting for you yeah, to try the I difference of what they one. so is it just is it i'm assuming the taste is different yeah yeah hopefully you get that corny taste um and then it's supposed to be a carrier for your strong flavors so oh, okay. to balance stuff out yeah I'm so right. now it's, it tastes very nice have you uh, uh, and you've had like wheat flour tortillas before and from old el paso so this yeah. will be they don't really eat that sort of stuff over in mexico that's more the american mm. really? um, taste a lot more natural than, yeah than that. yeah and a little bit vegetal vegetal yeah are you mexican yourself uh, no. No, no, I'm just asking out of curiosity. I really wanted to say yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, not Are looking like, like this. No. <laughs> I was thinking, but you're super like knowledgeable. Yeah, well, I've been at the company for a while, so I get a bunch of free food that I'm allowed to go home and cook with and mm. try all this stuff out. So it's made me a believer, definitely. Yeah. Okay. What else have we got on this table over here? All right. Cool. Uh, let's get some chips out, and we'll try them um, with some dip. 
Oh, what dip have we got? So, first, this is a tomatillo salsa. This is oh. made from tomatillos, which is like a uh, tomato meets a gooseberry. Um, this will just be your classic chip and dip and a chop chipotle salsa as well, which will... Oh, I'm, I'm breaking the studio. It's fine. So um, we've got a sort of a green and then a brownie dip for listeners at home. Yeah. yeah so chipotle should be quite uh, widely known by now. It's a smoky chili that they kind of associate with all Mexican cooking. And are we dipping these tortillas in? No, no, get the chips. This is more sort of like your authentic Doritos mm. chip and yeah. dip. These look like um, sort of unseasoned Doritos, sort of more natural. They are. Sort of. We haven't, all, all that they have on them is the salt that comes from the mix um, and the water, but yeah, we haven't put any flavourings oh. on because the corn is supposed to take it through. That's, yeah. That's great. To be fair, I really like it without the flavouring. I've never like... Mm. Yeah. I mean, my favourite chips anyway from like Sainsbury's are lightly salted. Yeah. So this is a similar sort of effect to that where you just get the flavour of the chip. Yeah. So is that, is that what makes these sort of different to what any other Mexican restaurant or establishment is making? Yeah. Or? I mean, we were one of the first to actually get a tortilla machine over here. Oh, really? It's a massive, massive machine, uh, twice the size of a room. And um, we make them all in-house in the factory using uh, flour we get from Mexico. And then we chop them and we fry them up in the factory as well. So, yeah, it will be a lot more sort of home-cooked than what you'd be used to. Okay. I definitely wouldn't have thought it was a massive machine like that. Huge. Is that why they're so rare and not many people have them? It's just Yeah, they're, they're huge, they're expensive, and um, Mexican food is kind of only bubbling at the surface at the moment. But yeah. obviously it's been a cuisine that's been around for ages, so we've been doing it for over 20 years. Wow. Yeah. I really like these sorts because I feel like they're not spicy but they like have that little you can tell they've got loads kick, of flavour a little yeah. kick but not too much that's good yeah um, well let's try another one this is our chipotle mayonnaise which is again a condiment um, so that is that's like what you'll typically find on a fish taco or so is this like um, kind of like a chili mayo then yes okay yeah, yeah fancy chili mayo used with the chili chipotle which is probably the, like I said the famous Oh, that's the best one. Mexico. Best one. Can you make How? these at home? You can. You can if you get the chipotles. Um, you have to um, hydrate them, blend them up, add your own ingredients and mix it with the with the mayonnaise. A bit spicier, that one, Kaylee. That'll hit you in a second. It is, yeah. I know, but I really like it. It's mm. really nice. Very nice. Is it hard to make at home, then? Um, if you don't know what you're doing, which is a shame with um, the public because it's so easy to access, but it's still quite new. But I, yeah, I could make it easily at home. If I, if I showed you one time, you'd be able to make it easily at home as well. So we've tried the food. What else have we got? We need to wash that down. Uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't manage to bring the drink. <laughs> <laughs> we've got little bottles of stuff there here. What, what are these? Ah, yeah, of course. Uh, we've brought some mezcal. Um, what, so this what is, is that? Mezcal is... Um, if you haven't had it before, it's like tequila, but oh. it's made from a specific sort of plant called the agave plant. Yeah. Um, and it's only made in certain regions of Mexico in a similar way that champagne is only made in similar regions of France. Oh, okay. So this is their national export for, for alcohol. So this is essentially authentic tequila? No, tequila is, is different. Tequila is yeah. made differently, but um, I guess it would be the same as comparing maybe even vodka to gin oh, really yeah so why do you think tequila's more popular because a lot of people drink tequila it's just it's just um people waiting to find out when they get yeah. the information then i'm sure people will mix over to um mezcal but mezcal is meant more for drinking um 
sipping slowly. Okay. But it still has that strong flavour. Whereas tequila, we're used to out in the clubs, quick shot. Yeah, quick shot of life. I'm gonna be gonna be taking these home with me. (laughs) So tell people where they can go and find out about Cool Chili on the website or whatever. Yeah. So we've got www.coolchili.co.uk where we have our online shop, um, and you can find everything there. Thank you so much for coming today. I really appreciate it. I love all the food. Mm. (laughs) You've made me happy. I'm just gonna sit and eat these for a bit, please. Right, so currently I'm asking the question, when you go on holiday, do you find a local, mm. just like local food basically, whether it's at a local pub, whether it's a full English breakfast, or even if it's just food that you can get here in the UK, so it could be like a KFC, a McDonald's, or do you go out of your way to eat the local food? Do you at least try when you go on holiday to eat some? No, you don't I, go straight in and write like, British food straight in. No, I, go, I don't go straight in, definitely not. So obviously half, I usually go half board or all inclusive, so I'll try to eat as much as I can in the hotel, but then after a while, I feel like once alcohol hits me my natural reaction is to find a mcdonald's so the only hangover <laughs> cure for you is that yeah or like maybe a kfc or just any fast food place that we have now lots of yous were getting involved on instagram not a lot of them agree with you i'm afraid <laughs> i know i'm really but i bet if you ask any of these people that they've definitely ate a full english breakfast or a mackie's or a kfc point, or a bird king on holiday but 87 percent of people said they eat the local food and only 13 percent said they were searching out british oh, sorry kaylee shout out my 13 percent <laughs> You're with me. You're with me. New statistics I've read today. 40% of the UK eats a curry at least once a week. Wow. I didn't know that. And I, I can't say I, I'm part of that statistic. And a quarter say that it's their favourite meal of that week. Wow. That's a lot. But I, I suppose there's quite a lot of like curry heat up meals and quite a few people have a curry after a night out. Yeah. I thought they were so. popular, but I didn't know they were that popular. Well, luckily enough, we're going to find out exactly why it's so popular with the delicious curry special, specialist, sorry, Dan Toobes, a.k.a. the curry guy. The curry guy, yeah. So we spoke to Dan a little bit earlier on and I started off by asking him where his love of Indian food came from. Well, I moved to the UK from California back in uh, 92 and um, I've never even tried Indian food at that stage, but I always loved my spicy food, Mexican food and you know, I, I love a lot of spicy food. So when I moved over here, tried Indian for the first time, absolutely loved it and decided I had to make it. <laughs> and so that just kind of carried on. I started teaching myself, getting the books, teaching myself how to cook curry. And then in 2010, I started my food blog because I wanted to take it kind of to the next level and uh, started developing my own dishes. And uh, yeah, I, I, I wrote my books. My father, I've got three books out now and uh, started my first book in uh, 2017. Oh, so I can't help but notice the American accent. Do many people eat curries in the States? No, well, they, they, it's becoming more popular now. But like, when I, like I said, when I was over there, when I was growing up, um, no. But uh, now because of the IT industry and everything, um, a lot of Indians are moving over to California and uh, they're bringing their restaurants with them and their ingredients. So yeah, it is becoming more popular. So why, why do you think it's becoming, because I mean, the statistic, I don't know if there's a bit, uh, as big a statistic in America, but 40% of the UK is a curry at least once a week in the UK. So why do you think we love it so much? We're obviously obsessed. Yeah, I believe you're referring to the co-op study. Mm. And um, yeah, I think it's just one of those things that, you know, um, curry has been popular, especially since the 60s and 70s. You know, when, when curry houses were the place to go after the pubs closed. And people used to go to these curry houses, not so much for the food, because they wanted to carry on drinking. Um, but slowly but surely, they started, you know, learning the 
that they, you know, these cruise boots were being made for the British palate, and they began enjoying them. And that's just kind of gone on and on and on from generation to generation. Parents teach their kids, you know, that, that they, you know, the curries are good, and it just goes on like that, and it's just becoming more and more popular. Well, Dan, you definitely sound like a curry expert. <laughs> um, I how, try to be. <laughs> what advice would you give for making a delicious curry at home? Well, personally, I think that you know, follow a good recipe um, and don't take it too too you know, too seriously because what, <laughs> food, good food is really down to the ingredients you use. If you can use best quality ingredients, the freshest spices, that's 95% of it right there. Cooking's 5% of it. You know, as long as you, you read the recipe and it's an okay recipe, you're going you're gonna to come out with a dish that's going to be very, you know, very good. Uh, would, it be, would it be hard to pick the best curry, Dan? Yeah, it would be very hard. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've got a, a few favorites. and I just came back from Kerala. I was over in Kerala for a couple of weeks down in southern India. And it, the food was completely different to what I experienced up north in India last year. And um, you know, I, I have favorites, uh, new favorites all the time. Right now I'm really into southern Indian food. Uh, but uh, something that you might get over here, because most of our, our, our uh, curry houses are uh, Bangladeshi and Pakistani run. And so you get a lot more of a northern um, flavor from these from these uh, from the curry houses. And one that I really like. I mean, of course, I like all the the uh, famous curries, like you know the the, the Madras and the Vindaloo. I, I love these. But I also like the authentic stuff they're bringing out now. So lamb nahari. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it, but that's a that's a great dish. Ooh, that does sound really nice. Now, the thing is, I love a chicken korma. Like, I'm obsessed with chicken korma, but everyone that I go to a curry house with, they judge me. They're like, a chicken korma isn't even really a curry. Would you agree? Well, that, well yeah, I would say that's very true. But the thing is, um, it's also the, the, the second most ordered curry in the UK. So the, it, it, it is... These curries were, were, were made for the British palate, so you, they aren't curries like you're going to get out, uh, authentic curries like you're going to get out in the subcontinent. They're, they're, they're made for, for uh, the British, and you know the chicken tikka masala and the korma, these are all things, these are British curries, and the thing is, they are starting to like them all around the world. People are buying my books over in India right now because <laughs> they want to experience what we eat over here because it's so popular. I can't tell you how happy Kaylee looks at that information, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, last week we spent a whole week exploring veganism, Dan. So what yeah. about what about vegan curries? Do, do, that, do they even exist? Oh, yeah, and they are good. And you know what? I'm not a vegan at all. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you, you can come up with some great... I've, I've got The Curry Guy Veggie, which is my third book, and it's coming out on the 4th of April. And um, there are so many things you can do to make a delicious curry vegan uh these are vegetarian recipes but so many of the recipes in the book just happen to be vegan because you, you don't need <laughs> any animal products in them to make them taste good and a lot of them are in your book right tell us a bit about that yeah that's that's what the, the, the curry guy veggie that is uh even my first two books the curry guy and the curry guy easy um anything could be made vegan very easily um and you can you can simply you know, make a chicken tikka masala and make it into a uh, a vegetable, uh, you know, just kind of a vegetable tikka masala. You, you use um, broccoli or you can uh, make koftas, vegetable koftas, which are really good in the same sauce. The book sounds amazing. Where can you get it? Uh, right now it can be pre-ordered on Amazon. Um, so it's available right now and it's coming out on the 4th. Uh, it's going to be in most good bookshops, probably I would imagine in the next week or two as well. 
I'm so excited for that. But right now, Dan, I need to know what is the best curry house in London? The best curry house in London. That's a difficult one because there's really fancy ones and there are also those that aren't so fancy. But you know what? The one I really like is a place, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's in Shorty. It's called uh, Lahore Kebab House. I've seen that one. I've seen that one around. You you can go in, right, and you can see all the chefs cooking uh, in the kitchen. They have a big window that you can watch them. The place is actually have like about 300, seating for 300, but they fill the place like two or three times on the weekend. It's that good. Well, me and Kaylee are going to be going there later. Dan, thank you very much for coming on today. If you want to go and find out more about the curry guy himself, Dan Toombs, then head to his website, greatcurryrecipes.net. It's time for... Guess the food. Yeah, we've talked about world food for the past two hours, so it's probably only right for us to try a little bit more. We spent pretty much the entire show eating what uh, we had brought into us into the studio earlier. <laughs> so, Bethany, welcome to the show again. Hello, I'm Hello. back. What have we got today, then? Well, you've got a mixture of foods, five different things. Well, four things and a drink. So oh, four foods nice, and a drink. okay. Mm. We've got a little, a little plate in front of us. I know what one of the things on that plate is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Fortune cookie. Yeah, one Lovely. of them's very recognisable. So is the fortune still left inside it? Yeah, one of them is. One of them broke, so we I can, read it. We but. can test Kaylee's theory of whether they're always relevant to today, then. Okay, yes. Because <laughs> earlier someone tweeted in, and I was like, fortune cookies are great. They always tell the truth. Mm. So I think I'm going to snap it. Yeah, you go out. for it. Yeah, you, go it you know, it's your fortune. You, you try it. We'll see <laughs> right, if so this comes true. I'm snapping it. Oh, they're so messy, aren't they? Crumbs everywhere. Oh, While you're doing that, can you guys tell me where it's from? China. No. America. It's- Fortune cookies. Yes, yeah, American. American. Thing. Yeah. Seriously, oh. it originated from California. Oh, <laughs> Wait, really? so it's, we've been lied to. Yep, you've been lied to. Wow. Go on, okay. what's the fortune? Wow. Right. Don't think problem. Think opportunity. Ooh. Now, I think that's true because some of this food usually <laughs> I think, oh, problem. Don't really want to taste it, but I should think opportunity. Great food. Mm. <laughs> and you were looking at opportunities on your on your laptop, on my laptop. during the show. Exactly. Weird. Talk okay, what's the next one? I've seen this. It's sort of like a cake. What mm-hmm. I've seen it before, but I don't know what it is. It is a dokla. Uh, is it Indian? It is. Oh, <laughs> well done. Let's okay. go in. It's quite cold. Yeah, so it can be eaten for breakfast, main course, a side dish, or a snack. And it is a soft sponge. So it's light, bouncy sourdough. It's something. For breakfast? Yeah, people have it for breakfast. It's I. It's quite. It's very flavourful. I right. may or may not have had some already. It's, it's really, like cheesy cake. Yeah, because you said sponge, I was expecting like soft, but it's really like hard for a cake. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So. Mm. Oh. Yeah, that I, I'm not a fan of that one. I'm afraid. <laughs> right, you're gonna have so, to wash that down with fortune cookie. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit later on, I believe you'll be bringing some more snacks. Yes, including your drink. Oh, okay. I'm I need to wash that so down. So excited for that! And if you enjoy hearing us eat some great snacks, then you can also check out Snacks with Tara and learn how to cook some great snacks. Okay, but right now we're gonna get on the latest one by Khalid. It's called Tour. Right here on Bite. There you have it. That was our recap of World Food Week on Bite. And you can listen back to all the show on our website, byteradio.london. Join us next week where we'll be exploring all things seafood, live from 12 till 3. This is Byte.